Good afternoon, everybody. It's great to be able to spend a few minutes with you and to be here in Christchurch, first time for me, different experience. Uh, but it's also great to be able to speak about uh, the Holy Spirit in this journey of understanding our faith. What does the Bible say about the faith of the Christian? How is it described? Uh, and maybe for you, this is something that you're just coming to terms with. You're thinking about it. Maybe it's something that you have believed for many, many years and it means so much to you. Wherever you are on that journey, it's really great for us to be able to think again uh, about the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're looking again at this section in Mark chapter 1. And back in the 1970s, some of you will remember that, in fact, they're probably coming back. They're kind of becoming kitsch cool again. There was uh, string art pictures where people used to tap nails into a board and then wrap string with, around them and create pictures. I was fascinated by the shapes that they used to create. And one of the shapes that amazed me was the way that you could kind of have a fan on one side converging into a center and then fanning out on the other side, opening up again. This text that we're looking at, and one of the reasons that we're looking at it again and again, is because this text is just like that for the Bible. It's one of these moments where we understand so much. It makes sense of the past and it prepares us for the future. And it helps us to understand a fundamental question. What is God like? Or to put it another way, how does the Bible describe the God of the Bible? The technical phrase that has been used for many, many centuries now, although it doesn't appear in the Bible, is the word Trinity. Three persons. And that's the way it's been understood and the way the people have come to terms with this idea, this incredible mystery that the nature of God is three distinct persons and yet one. I'm not even going to try to begin to explain that to you. But I think there are things that we can understand from this little section which are incredibly uh, helpful and important. The first thing is to recognize where we are and to recap where we are. Here we have this moment where Jesus appears on the scene. If you follow the, uh, the, the narrative in the Gospels, we have the initial story of Jesus as a child where he's born and one or two occasions as he's younger. And then the silence and then Jesus bursts onto the scene again and for three years he ministers. Those three years begin at this moment in time and the whole of the world, the whole of the history of human civilization uh, turns on those three years. They are incredibly important. They are momentous in the journey of humanity. This moment where a rabbi teacher in the dusty desert of Palestine is baptized in an unimportant river. That's where it all starts. Three years in the life of Jesus. Verse 10 and 11 of our reading reveals to us in this moment, for the first time with real clarity, the nature of God. We see this moment where Jesus aligns himself with humanity 
And he says, I will align myself, even though I am the divine, even though I am the fully human, fully God, presence in this world who has never sinned, I will align myself with those who need to come to John to be baptized for repentance of their sins. That's incredible, isn't it? And Jesus goes into the water, he's baptized, and then we read in verse 10, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, we saw heaven being torn apart and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Do you see uh, where it says there, the Spirit is in with a capital S, that's, that means that it's defining a person. And a voice came from heaven, you are my Son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Those two verses, there is the Bible's description of God. The Father in heaven, unseen yet speaking, the Son who is present, who is coming up out of the water in physical human form, and heaven bursting open so that the Spirit descends on Jesus. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. There we've got it, in this little moment, in a little river in the desert. And so we see the first P of our description of the Holy Spirit. And the first is this, the Spirit is a person. It's not a kind of life force uh, or some sort of indistinct thing. The Spirit is described as a unique person in the Trinity. But the way in which the Bible has, or the way in which God describes Himself as the Spirit is incredibly important for the people around at that time. We see the Spirit descending on Jesus in the form of a dove. I guess for lots of us, this, the idea of the dove already has uh, ideas of peace and that kind of thing. Well, that is a centuries, millennia-old idea. It goes way back. And if you were a Jew watching this event, you would already know that the Spirit meant so much in your thinking. The dove meant hope and salvation. All the way back when we see the description of Noah saved from death in the ark, he releases a dove at the end and the dove returns uh, with a sprig of life from a tree. In other words, the dove is the communicator at that moment in time of hope, salvation. There is a future. The dove carries that idea. Rabbi teachers had already thought a lot about the idea of a dove. There's an account in the Talmud, which is the, uh, the body of Jewish literature and thinking, uh, which was present at the time of Jesus. And it's a conversation that goes on the temple steps. And it says this, one rabbi speaking to the other, he says this, I was gazing between the upper and lower waters and there, and there is only a bare three fingers breadth between them. For it is said, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. He's reflecting right the way back to where God describes himself as being present in the creation of the world. And he says, I lift my hand up and I see there's just a small gap between water and water, which is the way they thought about the world at that time. And he says, God hovered over the waters like a dove, he says, which hovers over her young without touching them. 
So this rabbi teacher is already thinking that the idea of God hovering over the waters at the beginning, I will think about that. I'll paint pictures in my mind which describes that the presence of God is one of peace, like a dove hovering over her young without touching them. That's the way Jewish minds would have thought at that time. But you see the difference? This dove doesn't hover over. This dove rests on Jesus. He places himself on Jesus. He, he communicates in physical terms and in oneness with Jesus, this person of the Spirit. The second P that we see is that this Spirit is promised. We've already said that this text kind of converges in this moment of Jesus because Jesus is the one who is promised right the way through the Old Testament. But it's more than that. It's not just that Jesus is promised, but this unique way of understanding and this different, this step change in the presence of the Holy Spirit is also promised. Jeremiah puts it like this in chapter 31 and verse 33. This is the covenant or the promise I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put, <clears throat> excuse me, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. What, what's, what's God saying there? And why does that relate to the Spirit? Well, one of the things that we understand is the law in the Old Testament is not just a set of rules to obey. It is, in a sense, it's the way in which God is present with his people and it is communicated through the priests to the people so that the people kind of separated from the law. The, the law is this holy thing contained within the temple on the tablets, contained within the tablets uh, in the tabernacle. The people are kept away from it, but it's communicated to them. And God says there's going to come a change where my holiness isn't going to be separated from you. It's going to come within you. It's going to be written within you. It's promised. This spirit kind of we see portrayed as a dove is not kind of flitting around and hovering around, but the promised spirit comes onto and becomes present with Jesus in this unique moment and prepares for all sorts of other things which we haven't got time to talk about uh, this afternoon in terms of how the spirit becomes important for us as we move forward. The spirit is promised. It prepares us at this moment for what God is going to do next. So we see that the Spirit, on the, on the first hand, the Spirit is um, the person. Then we see the Spirit is promised. The next thing that we see is that the Spirit is present. The indwelling work of the Spirit at this moment, as we see Jesus receiving the Spirit, not hovering above him, but descending on him, get this, this is the way in which 
Jesus is empowered for his ministry. Have you ever thought about that? We, we often think about Jesus as being independently powerful for his ministry. But look at what it says in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 28. Matthew chapter 12, verse 28, Jesus has just uh, cast out demons. And then we read this. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. What's Jesus saying there? He's saying you've been waiting, you've been waiting and waiting for the kingdom of God to appear, and now I come empowered, not simply me, not my, me alone and independent, I come indwelt by the Spirit. I am empowered for the work that I do by the Spirit that dwells within me. Isn't that an incredible thought? I, we often think that Jesus is this pinnacle of God and presence, and yet we see God is united in his work, Father, Son, and Spirit continually. Jesus is empowered, and so Jesus finds the presence of the Holy Spirit to be the means by which he ministers. That present Spirit which Jesus experienced is also what is possible and is promised for those who trust in Jesus. Peter puts it like this in chapter 2 of Acts and verse 38. Peter says this, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see the connection there. We see Jesus is the one who comes, aligns himself with humanity, accepts the baptism of John, which says that I repent, and I recognize that I am the bearer of sin, though I carry no sin. I align myself with the sinner. I am baptized. I am immersed in God in that way. And I receive the Holy Spirit as I come out of the water. And Peter says to those who trust in Jesus, you too can receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. So that you too can receive the present indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord, our God, will call. Peter's saying quite simply, for those who trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit isn't a, an abstract idea out there. The Holy Spirit is the indwelling presence of God in the believer. God present with his people. This, this is the uniqueness of the Christian faith. God is saying, I am not a distinct God, separated out, even benevolently observing you and listening to you. I am more than that. I am the God who hears you, 
as the Father in heaven, I am the God who makes Himself present in the Son, Jesus, but I am also the God who continues to dwell with you by the same Holy Spirit who was present in Jesus, being present in those who trust in Him and believe in Him. This is the gift that is possible and necessary if we are to see that we are believers in Jesus. So we see that Jesus embodies what it is to have the present Holy Spirit with him, empowering, empowering his ministry as if you like a preparation, a prototype for us to experience the same, the same presence of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And that brings us to our final, our fourth P. The fourth is this, that the presence of the Holy Spirit is powerful. What kind of power is the most important power that we need? That's a really interesting question, isn't it? The Holy Spirit is promised for all sorts of things, it seems. But I think Paul, writing to the Galatians, points to the most important work that the Holy Spirit does. Any work in us is described in the Bible as in, in Galatians as being um, something that is planted that bears fruit. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 talks about the outcome of the work of the Holy Spirit being a fruit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, the work that the Spirit does within us is that it causes a change in us bringing out the fruit of love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there's no law against these things. In other words, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, the change that goes on within us is the result of the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Do we change overnight? No. And for many of us, we kind of, we kind of stumble along and the changes can be relatively small, but the work of the Spirit is going on within us. We are not we, what we once were. We are changed. The Bible calls that being sanctified. There's two kinds of sanctification. There's the sanctification that means that we're set aside. And there's the sanctification that goes on, making continual change. And it's the Holy Spirit that causes that continual change in us. Little by little, we are changed. In what way? We are changed so that we become more like Jesus. That is the power of that goes on. If we think that's a small thing compared to all of the other possible work of the Holy Spirit, we completely underestimate the overwhelming imprisonment of sin that we experience outside of faith in Jesus Christ. We, we, we belittle what it is to truly understand our, our 
desperate human state, our rebellious human state, for God to make changes in us so that we tr- might by, by nature change a little bit more to be like Jesus. That is astounding power and is only achieved because the Holy Spirit is present within us and he can only be present within us because he is promised and he can only be promised because he and uniquely present in us because he is a unique person we could spend so long thinking about the holy spirit but i would encourage you just as we close now to recognize this that the offer of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is not that we believe in something where God remains distant, but to trust and believe that faith in the God of the Bible promises us the ongoing presence of the Holy Spirit to help and to encourage. I pray that we might know that. I pray that our hearts might be encouraged to believe that, And I pray that we might experience that because it is this moment, a bit like the string art, exploding out from the baptism of Jesus where the Holy Spirit is first seen in the context of the Father and the Son where we are able to say today, 21st century, wherever we are in the world, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And we are the people of God. And praise his name for it. Thank you, Paul. That was uh, brilliant. I know this is it's weird, isn't it? Very strange. It's really, really... It yeah. was hard enough adjusting to sitting behind a desk and speaking, and now you're thrown into a big room with nobody here. It's, yeah, it's if, you just, very if, strange. if you're watching at home, it's the, weir- it's the weirdest thing to... I mean, it's weird enough being a preacher anyway, but when you preach into an empty room, it's, <laughs> it's a really weird thing. Um, but So welcome to the new, the new normal, Paul. That was... Um, I mean, you said it really gently. I don't, know if, I don't know if you went for gentle, but that was gently put across, although actually underneath it, the message is... I, I, as I'm taking that in, as, as I'm hearing that, it's, I think it's really impactive message about the Holy Spirit. So you can have a little bit, a little bit in my head as, a, as an understanding of the Holy Spirit. Is it's often, often I'll think of it like this. I'll go somewhere and I'll wait for it. I'll wait for the magic to happen a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So I, I don't think I'm necessarily ruling those moments out, but at yeah. the same time, I'm aware now, or I'm, I was conscious as you, were, as you were talking through that, that it's not so much that we go and the magic happens, it's that the magic is, comes, it, we, come, we come with it. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at the kind of journey of the, of the Bible, you've got the Old Testament, which is this. It's constantly talking about the, the holiness of God and the separateness of God. Yeah. But at the same time, the grace of God, that there's a way to, to be present with him through the, uh, through the sacrificial system, through the priesthood. And then God says, but there is going to come a time where I'll dwell within each of my people. Yeah. I mean, that is incredible. That the shift is astounding. Yeah. But I suppose because we inhabit 2,000 years of Christendom, we, we're not so amazed by that. And so we want the other things, which relatively speaking are significant, but compared to that are 
in my view, they're a lot smaller compared to the idea that the, the present God dwells within us. Yeah. Just yeah, yeah. incredible. And then as you were, so there was, there, was that, there was that reality, and then the other phrase that popped into my head was, so I obviously knew about the fruits of the Spirit, but yeah. I hadn't thought about how powerful when I think about the Holy Spirit, I'm really, often I'm thinking about an explosion happening or I'm thinking about, I don't know. And again, I don't, I don't dismiss, mm. you know, those sort of moments mm. in Christian faith. I think that, that yeah, stuff happens. Absolutely. But equally, I hadn't realized how powerful a thing it was that um, I learned self-control mm. or I learned patience yeah. or, I, or, or somebody as dour as I can be at, at, at times has joy, like a like a joy that I think yeah, is there. Yeah. And actually just that, thinking that stuff through actually, and often with those things, I will say, in my head, I will say, I can't. I can't find, I just can't have patience. I can't have joy. Yeah. And actually that's challenged me in a way because I'm thinking oh, actually the Holy Spirit is busy. You know, that's part of his function. He's sort of working out yeah, yeah. some of that I, stuff. Is that right? I, yeah, I think so. And I think it's also, it's about what the foundation for that peace is and what the foundation for that joy is. And... You know, we've all got different temper temperaments. I'm not, I'm not kind of, I'm not leaning into constant joy as a person. No. <laughs> but, uh, but I think one of the things that we see is that the presence of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us is all, it's a precursor of what is to come, which is us present with God, where we will completely fulfill all of those aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. So we might get, we, the Holy Spirit might give us glimpses of this. Glimpses, might work yeah, away in absolutely. Us and we can go, oh man, so yeah, yeah. this, this Dower Yorkshireman who's maybe experienced joy once or twice in his life gets, or at least that's how his face would reveal it, could, you know, can head towards some, some of that. Yeah, stuff. and it's a joy in God. It's a peace in God. It's a love in God. It's yeah. that, it, all of that is the presence of the Holy Spirit prepares us for the moment where we will see Jesus face to face and we will be like him. That's the ultimate sanctifying experience. And I get, so we say it quite coldly, but I guess when you think about that, that should make us go, that should make us, that should blow us away. That should, that's, a, that's, a powerful, that's a powerful thing. Yeah, and, right. and because we're used to it, it becomes a bit glib, doesn't it? Do you, do you find that? Do you find yeah, it does become a bit glib, yeah. So I, I'm so I'm off off the cuff. I'm really more, I'm really challenged to think that I carry this Holy Spirit around mm. in me. I'm a bit challenged to think I'm going to hang. I'm going to sometimes I'm going to try and cut waiting around for the magic to happen, and I'm going to try and you know embrace God uh, God working within me. I've got a couple of practical things to talk mm -hmm. through. Is that yeah. all right? Yeah. And um, because we've done Father God and Holy Spirit, we've done the Trinity, which is not mentioned in the Bible. That was mm. interesting. I think I knew that, but you don't you do often uh, yeah. verbalize it. So the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So often understanding how that all works, I mean, like we probably won't have time to talk about this, but in terms of like a practical question, maybe for people listening and thinking about what it means to pray, who you shout yeah. out to, mm. um, how does, who do you address when you pray? Can I ask you that, that question? I'm trying to think through when we... The Holy Spirit's working within us. Uh, Jesus is interceding for us. God the Father is there as well, making it happen. Who do we, how do you see that all coming together in terms of how we pray on a really practical way? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a really great so I question. So I pray Father sometimes, yeah. Father God, and 
and sometimes I'll start, oh, Lord, Lord Jesus, I'll start like that. I don't, yeah. I'm aware of the Spirit. I don't yeah. verbalize a prayer to the Spirit. I, I think prayer is a Trinitarian act in the sense that we can't truly pray to God unless the Spirit is working within us. So the, spi right, so okay. the Spirit... So the Spirit's stirring something up. Absolutely. To the point where even... Paul goes so far in Romans to say that you will be able to pray even when you can't pray because the Spirit will bring groanings and utterances to God in, in, in your place when you are lost for words or, or without power. Which for me is a huge encouragement when I think about those last days of life for many of us. Hmm. That we are not... When we can't find words. Yeah, we're not... We don't lose the ability to pray because it's the indwelling spirit that empowers our prayer. The ability to pray, to pray and the, if you like, the channel, the, um, the, the means, the priestly means for us to pray is Jesus. And then I think Jesus makes it clear for us when he teaches his disciples how to pray. He says, when you pray, say, Our Father, that, that we kind of, we, we, again, we just trot, trot it off. Yahweh was the great unsaid, the, the, word, that, the, the word God that was not used by, by the Jewish people at that time because it just seemed so immense. We, we couldn't even put the word of God on our lips. And then Jesus breaks in and says, when you pray, call him Father. What? Because of what he's done. Because of what, he's, what is going on, this moment where Jesus becomes the final, ultimate priest who brings intercession for us. So, so prayer is this amazing Trinitarian act. Presence of the Spirit within us, the means of intercession through Jesus so that our words might reach our Father. That's really blown me away. The, the fact that I'm going to reach, and I already have reached points where I've, in, when I look back at my life, where I've struggled to get any, to have any words. You've seen something tragic, or you've experienced something yeah. tragic, or just even something tough, and I'm not in a prayerful place, and yet I found myself saying something that that has its lots of origin in this. The Holy Spirit is working powerfully, then to help to help me on that. They're those moments of groaning, aren't they? Yeah, that is. Um, I hadn't, I hadn't thought that stuff through. That's that's really, that's really helpful thing to think about. I don't know what time it is. Um, a few, a few more minutes. Um, so I've got, yeah, another thing for us to think about. Then, how would, how would you explain, how could we explain this to, let's say, the kids of Christchurch? Um, and we both love taking the kids' club classes. <laughs> um, the kids of Christchurch assemble. Or the parents are all watching at home and they, they drag um, all the kids into the room just for this moment. How would we, we... And we've got their attention for, you know, because there's TV and there's chocolate and there's other things to entertain them. We've got their attention for like a minute. How do we say... What, what would you want to relay to them about the Holy Spirit? Is there a quick way to... Is there a, is there a nutshell version 
of the Holy Spirit? Or is that just an unfair question, given you've... Given my ability to teach children, I think that's incredibly unfair. <laughs> I, think, I think if you kind of just up the age just a little bit, is that right? Go on, do yeah. teen teenagers. Yeah, that's fine. I think I will be wanting them to, to understand that the God of the Bible is not a God who is distant and observing. If we trust in that God, he is a God who is present and indwelling. That was, uh, that was brilliantly concise. Not, that changes everything. It changes the whole idea of what God is like, according to the Bible, compared to other religions. It's a really radical, I mean, yeah. in the sermon, Mind -blowing. It's, it's a radical idea. Yeah. And I don't know, I'm trying to think if we just go, I'm not going to think about that, or we don't appreciate it, or we don't, yeah. you know, how it works, because yeah. when, when, you, when you're forced to dwell on it yeah. and say, right, God's... That whole story in the Bible, that yeah. whole amazing God who's trying yeah. to dwell with you but can't, yeah. actually, when we get to the times of the New Testament, he's going to say, I'm going to do something amazing. What's the amazing thing? Yeah. I'm, going to, I'm going to dwell, dwell within, within you. you. And that big book of the law yeah. that you is impossible to keep, really, yeah. I'm going to, by my spirit, yeah. direct, I'm going to walk that path with you yeah. by, by the power of my spirit. And, and it speaks to every one of us as we kind of get a little bit older. It's kind of, what does that mean? It means that as we, as we journey little by little and we see steps of growth in our faith, it says to some of us, don't you even dare to become arrogant because it is nothing that you've done. It's only what the Holy Spirit has mm -hmm. done. And for those of us who struggle along the way, it's an encouragement to say, don't worry. Don't feel as though your, your stumbling along bars you from the presence of God because I am present within you. It touches us both. Yeah. Last one. Okay. Last one for us to think about because I think that's, that's just about time. So I read this as I, as I thought about the Holy Spirit. The verse that... And I don't, I don't, maybe this is one of those, you know, you get these odd verse, verses that haunt you. If you've grown up in a Christian family, occasionally you've got these verses that hover over mm. you and you think, oh, crikey, I better mm. not do that in case this, because mm. you've been taught mm. it a different way. So there's this idea, it's a Thessalonians reference, yeah. um, where Paul says, don't put out the Spirit's fire. Yes. I think he's talking, you know, don't. don't quench. So, that, so we have, these, we have the, these ideas in the Bible that we can fill ourselves up with it. That's, yeah. an, that's a concept, yeah. isn't it, that we have? That's the yeah. language that, that Paul yeah. uses. You can be filled up yeah. and also you can suck the life out of it. Or yeah. you can, that's not, that's not quite right. You yeah. can dampen it all down, yeah. put out this yeah, yeah. incredible thing. Yeah. Can we, do you think, we, can we do that? Is that a, um, what do we do with this? What, what do, do we, we do with it? What do we do with this spirit? I think, I think one of our, we either fall into one of two camps where they are so terrified by that we become paranoid or we become so filled with other ideas of the security of God's work in us and all of that kind of thing that we don't treat those verses seriously. And I think we've got to treat them seriously because it says that we can, we can put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. We can subdue the power of God working within us. I think there's, there's various ways in which we can do that. We can do that when we think that any progress is us and we take the glory away from the work of God within us. And we, we put can, the fire out. We put the fire out. We can do it when we think that the laws of God are unimportant. And we, we, we live by grace and therefore the fact that God makes claims on us 
Hmm. is irrelevant. I don't need to worry about that because I live by grace. And God says, but living by grace means that you are enslaved to me, to righteous enslavement. And we say that doesn't matter. So I'll live the way I want. And we subdue the possibility of the Spirit working powerfully so, within us. And, so and to I, be filled then yeah, is to, be filled. to embrace the grace, is that? I think it is. It's the, to be filled with the Spirit is the most humbling of positions. I think that's the thing that we, we realize. To be filled with the Spirit is to put ourselves in, in that place of humility before God and dependence upon God and being like a ch little child and trusting in Him. And in that weakness, we see the strength and the power of God made, made manifest by the work of the Spirit. That felt like one of those... <laughs> ending it, ending it lines. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for the chat. I'm going to um, just pray now, just for a second. Let me, let me, um, let me thank you, Paul, for that message. That was grand, a, a great um, insight into the Holy Spirit. Let me point you to our playlist. We're going to add um, those two songs that both sort of ground us in Christ and reference the Holy Spirit. It might be something that you could have a listen to in the week, just help you think some of this, some of this stuff through. But if you wouldn't mind, let's just. Let's just wrap up and let me just pray. Uh, Father God, we, um, we are empowered uh, by your presence with us um, and empowered, to, um, empowered towards joy, um, empowered towards love, empowered towards self-control. We give you great thanks uh, for the way that you are working in and amongst us. Mm. Father, challenge us with this reality that you sent your spirit to empower us um, but it's not some magical, mystical thing that we, that we can encounter down the street or even in a building, but something that you have sent to dwell within us. Father God, we give you thanks. Help us to embrace this power. Help us to be really, mo to be really moved by it. And we give you thanks that it heads us uh, towards you. We give you thanks that you choose to walk with us in this way. Empower us by your spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Cheers, Paul. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week.